All right, welcome back to another episode of A Pinball Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here. I greatly do appreciate it. And today we're going to talk about tournament pinball. And we're going to talk about specifically how to play certain games that I encountered at Free Play Florida with the Classics Tournament. We'll talk about Maine in another one. And I know, shocking, a pinball podcast that's going to talk about, I don't know, actually playing pinball. And that's what we're going to do today. So if you're looking for market stuff if you're looking for just us talking about themes and all that that'll be for another episode but for now we're going to really focus in on some of the games that i encountered in classics and we're going to talk about tournament theory a little bit when it comes to herb and yeah that that's pretty much what we're going to do today so if you're ready to get off this train already because that doesn't that doesn't uh, appeal to you i bid you adieu have a great week but if you're still here we're going to get right down to it now I was at Free Play Florida just a couple of weeks ago, which is down in, I guess, technically Orlando. It might, I think it was Orlando. I assume it was. I flew into Orlando. That's all I know. But anyhow, it was a Herb format tournament. And for those that don't know what that means, it's basically a pump and dump style, which essentially means that you buy so many entries and you queue up on a particular game and you try to get as high of a score as possible. And that score is weighted against everybody else that's in the tournament and you're assigned points for based on how high your score is in relation to everybody else. So if you have the top score, you get hundred points. I think this particular tournament, if you got second, you had 98 points, then 96 points. And it started to decay from there by a single point each, I believe if I remember right. So that's the way that this tournament was set up. And yeah, so we're going to talk about classics mainly. And the thing to consider too, when I go over these games and I go over what my strategies are, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is the correct way to play them. It just means that this is the way that I've chosen to play them based off what my skill set is and based off what I feel comfortable doing. Now, the way that you approach this game may be completely different. If you have a, another way to approach it, please let me know down in the comments down below or send me an email at apinballpodcast at gmail.com and I'll be sure and read that and go over it if I need to. But yeah, so the thing to consider is that when it comes to pinball, there's oftentimes one very particular way to approach a game, but then sometimes you can use different paths to get there. And sometimes I like to basically find the easiest shots in the game when it comes to tournaments. And if I can exploit different points, I will. I don't mind repeating a shot and sometimes that's necessary. And I think you're gonna see that in a couple of the games today because with classics, that's pretty much what it amounts to on a lot of these games. Now, that being said too, we're gonna talk about some theory in terms of good ideas to do on each game, just kind of basically how I approached it to try to stay under control. But at the same time, keep in mind that basically when it comes to playing pinball, there's definitely, in my opinion, there's foundational things that everybody needs to take care of that should be universal. And that's mainly knowing how a game is set up, knowing where your plunge is at, knowing how to plunge properly or what you should be aiming at when you plunge knowing what the flipper strength is, knowing what your rubber situation on outlaying posts are, knowing where the outlaying posts are, and knowing where the tilt is. All that stuff right there, everybody can pretty much take, take care of themselves. And then from there, it kind of goes to the way of you approach a game based off your skill, whether you're comfortable with shatsing, post-passing, tap-passing, whether you're very good at nudging, whether you're terrible at nudging, whether you're comfortable playing a horizontal game or a vertical game whether you're comfortable playing under control or more on the fly. Now, me personally, I've kind of made some changes to my game recently to where I felt like I was trying to play too much under control. And 
as a result of that, I ended up draining a lot of bad balls just right down the middle for just stupid reasons too, whether it was letting it bounce one time too many and it immediately getting me out of control. And so I made an adjustment in the past couple of months to my game overall. And the literal adjustment that I've made is kind of playing on the fly a little bit more and not necessarily playing like a lunatic or anything like that. But what I'm meaning is instead of taking that extra dead bounce, if I sense that I'm not going to be able to get under control, even with that bounce, I go ahead and flip away and I find spots to park the ball at that I feel aren't dangerous. And most of these games that I've found that I've encountered, if you view it from a 45 degree angle, typically you can keep the ball out of danger and still score points and still make progress in your game by utilizing that strategy. Now, for me personally, since doing this, I've noticed it's basically, it is very much improved my game overall. I think I went from, I think Cleepin in September, I qualified, I want to say it was first in classics I qualified there, and I think sixth in Maine. And then recently at the Kansas City Pinball Championship, I qualified second. And all these are herb formats too, by the way. And then at Freeplay Florida, I tied for first in Maine, and I think I tied for second in classics for qualifying. So this uh, pretty much I've been trying to develop more and more, and I've been really focusing in on it. And I got to tell you, it's paying dividends, and I'm finding that it actually is, uh, it's working. It's working better than what I thought it would, but I got to make sure too, I still play under control when I need to. I just make sure that when it's time to just hit the throttle, hit the gas, that that I go. And I find those spots to uh, to pick out when it's proper and when it's not. Now, sometimes I've had a couple of games that are just completely blowing up on me, but more times than not, I've found that I can actually be pretty consistent utilizing the style over time. So again, whenever you start playing, find your style. And Everything that I talk about from here on, when I talk about my strategies on these particular games, it's because it fits what my style is. And it may not be the best way for you to approach it. And tell you the truth, it may not even be the best way for me to approach it. I may alter it a little bit. And I think you guys will find if you watched the Free Play Florida stream, if you saw me play Ninja Turtles, that I actually altered what my strategy was and I went away from Raphael and I went towards Donatello. And I'll explain that in another podcast pretty soon. I probably might even dedicate a full video to it because there's a lot of layers on that. And I don't want to get too deep into the weeds because that's talking about modern pens. Let's get back on topic with the classics and we will get right into it right now. Now, for the first game that I'm going over is Vector. Now at Free Play Florida, I ended up, like I said earlier, I qualified second overall. And I believe I ended up taking 11th because I got eliminated in the first round spoiler alert it didn't work out so well but here's how i approached every single game now with vector here's the important part let me get my telestrator ready let me make sure everything is good all right there we go so important parts of vector well the very first thing that you're going to notice pretty much is these drop targets right up here and that's the defender drop targets or that's what they're called and the reason why that this is so important is because you have to knock these down in order to access the ramp right behind it. Now, the reason why that this ramp is so darn important, and I think they call it the vector scan ramp. The reason why it's so important is because that leads to locking up balls for multi-ball. Now, if you're in a multiplayer match, I believe that these balls can be locked stolen, but we're just talking single player match right now in a herb format. So what you have to do is you want to knock down these drop targets in order to open up that ramp. But there's a caveat to it. 
you want to knock down the drop targets in sequential order from left to right. If you do not do this, what you'll end up doing is once those drop targets are knocked down, these drop targets right here will actually pop back up, which can become really dangerous with them being so close to you right there. Now, the easy way to approach this, if you find yourself in that situation, is to look at backhanding those targets because it's backhanded, it's really not all too dangerous. But if you forehand it, that's when things can get a little bit crazy. But your main focus, or at least my main focus early on, is just trying to drop down these drop targets right there because I want to, I want to light that vector scan ramp, that left ramp, and I want to hit the ball all the way around to the locks that show up just right over here. So that's the idea. You go all the way around the ramp to the locks right there. Now, other things of note when we're discussing this is one, you can tap pass on this game or you can even shats on this game. I find that for me, I just, it depends what type of, or how the flippers feel at the time. I feel comfortable tapping, but I think the shats is there all day long also. And the other things to consider as well, you can plunge, soft plunge to where you're not necessarily validating the play field, I believe. So I typically would not plunge hard all the way around. You'll see that the way that the plunge is right here, typically that would actually lead all the way up here. Now, for some people, they like doing that because I think that there is a skill shot up there. And plus, if it gets hung up too, you have your bonus multiplier targets with the XYZ targets that you can find right up here. Now, I typically don't really pay attention to that too much just because my goal is, is to get into multi-ball, then just start peppering the ramp nonstop. And I found that by doing something similar to that, I can still get a million to close to 2 million points simply by focusing on that. And then the XYZ targets are kind of an afterthought. I might accidentally do it if I happen to get a ball in that area with that mini flipper there. And you can't necessarily see it from this angle, but there is a flipper right there. And I say mini flipper. I can't remember if it's a big flipper or a little flipper. I'm pretty sure it is a little flipper. And then of course you got another flipper right here in which I, I literally don't use this at all. I just choose to use it just to guide the ball if I have to, but under no circumstances, I try to avoid hitting the ball at full speed to the hype targets that are found right here. And there's reasons for that. And the big reason is I don't want that ball to drain. I don't want it to be out of control. I want to try to stay as in control as possible with this pin. Now, another thing to notice here is that on the out lanes, you do have little saucers right here that will feed back into your in lanes. So whenever you do get a drain right in this area, be sure and give it a hard nudge because more than likely you're going to be able to utilize the rubbers right there to get into that saucer. And you'll notice right here, there are rubbers right there. So be sure and knock it into the saucer. And then what will happen then? the ball will actually eject back to the left flipper. The other thing to consider as well, if you do have any type of in lane on this outer lane right here, well, let me make sure you guys see clearly what I'm talking about, right in this area, right? Be sure and hold up that left flipper. That's what I like to do. On some models, you can let the ball just come to a standstill, It'll come to a stop right there. Other times it might shoot down very fast, and at least then you can kind of ski jump or stay somewhat under control. I haven't ran into too many models that send the ball into that right sling. So I feel like it's fairly safe. But anyhow, so your options are with multi-ball. Once you do get past those targets, you do have to knock down the targets for each time you want to go back up the ramp. Now, if you lock three balls, that will automatically start your multi-ball. But if you want to start a two-ball multi-ball early on, you do have to spell out hype and you do have to do it in 
order. So keep that in mind as well. But other than that, that's how I approach that game. I don't really worry about too much else. I, I don't worry about the, I guess there's like a vector scan speed ramp thing that happens whenever the ramp is open. I, I don't worry too much about that. I just try just to keep the ball moving. I try to make progress where I can. I try to pepper the ramp where I can. And yeah, basically just stay alive. Just put some points up on the board. That's the idea of pinball, right? All right, so the next game that I approached, I think in Vector, I want to say my top score in qualifying, I played it three or four times, and I think I was right around either 1,100 or 12. No, no, not 1,100, 1.1 million or 1.2 million. I think somewhere right around there. I don't have my scores in front of me, but I was around in that area. All right, so our next game is Swords of Fury. Now, with Swords of Fury, it, there's literally just one way to approach this if you're in competition and this is uh, it's just it's a lot of wood chopping let's just put it that way and the shots that you want to really focus on and well let's let's start back from the beginning whenever you do plunge that ball is going to come to this upper play field right here now on typical models you can let the ball just go and it'll bounce back to a cradle with that mini flipper right there now, what I like to do is whenever I do have the mini flipper, I, and in a cradle, that is, I like to backhand the far right target. And if I knock that down and I get back under control, I might go for a middle target, okay? And if I can get back under control and I only have two targets up there, I might go for them, I might not. It just depends what I feel like doing. Now, if I have targets spread out, I'm not gonna go for them anymore. And the reason for that is, is if you go past those targets, your feed is going to come back down to this other flipper that's found right here. And ideally, I don't want to do that. The reason being, because if I let the ball go down right here, it's going to make sure that that ball is going to feed down this lane right here to an easy catch down here. So that's ideal. And then once you get to an easy catch down there, then it becomes just getting a ball in the right flipper and just going left orbit all day long. And your basically your multi-ball locks are already lit on this left orbit. It's I think it's called Titan multi-ball. You want to hit this left orbit spinner area just nonstop. That's all you want to do. And as soon as you get into multi-ball, your idea is is you want to get back up to the upper play field, which the easiest way to get back up there for me is via this ramp right here, the Avenger ramp or whatever it's called. And from there, your jackpot's going to be found in the upper play field via a roving light. Now that I think that light goes from left to right and then back from right to left, if I remember correctly. And you just want to knock down the target that happens to have that light lit. And I believe typically in competition settings, I could be wrong. I think it's worth 1.5 million or somewhere right around there. And some of the other things you could possibly do as well, you could build up your lion man bonus, which I think is done via the upper play field. Anytime you knock down all the drops, that'll add to it to where it eventually will max out at right around a million. I think right at a million as a matter of fact. And what will happen is once you do this, it'll be accessed via the center ramp right here. And there'll be a light, an insert right in front of it going off for about 10 seconds. So you want to hit it in there, collect your line man bonus. And you do that, I believe by spelling the Avenger targets that you can find around the play field. Now, most people don't necessarily want to go for these Avenger targets, which you'll find up here, up here, you, you'll probably get those eventually anyways. But these, I don't know too many people that go for them on the far right. And I believe that if you go in the in lanes and you happen to hit it up the ramp, I think you can get spotted one or two letters also towards that, if I remember correctly. But 
Ideally, if you find this in competition, it's going to be a lot of wood chopping. If you run into excellent players, be prepared for games that are going to get rolled. If there's not, so for tournament directors out there, if you happen to have this game, you're going to put it in. I would probably encourage people to make this rubber a little bit fatter. Make that shot a little bit more difficult. Not impossible, but more difficult. Because if it's an easy shot and you got good players on the game, strap in because you're going to be there for a while. We're talking... 10, 15, 20 million point games are entirely possible. And I think actually the top score at free play was right around 20 or 23 million, I believe. It's either Johnny uh, Monica or Derek Price got that. It was pretty high. And I know in my games I played, the first time I played it, I got around eight, eight and a half million. And I played it again in qualifying or non qualifying in finals. And I think through two balls, I had like 8.2 million or something like that. And I felt way comfortable that I think I could have got 12 or 15 if I was really digging in my heels or really needed to. But overall, it's a very controllable game. Uh, you can stage flip a lot. You can cradle with the upper flipper up there, not the, well, the mini flipper, you can do that and the upper flipper up there, you can do that as well. So keep all that in mind. And that's basically the whole approach to the game. Just left orbit all day long until you either get a cramp and you can't play any longer or your hands happen to fall off. Or the machine malfunctions. I guess that is a possibility as well. All right. So next game, Bally Rolling Stones. And yes, this is a virtual pen because I could not find a good example of the play field on this. Now for this particular game, to me, when I approached it, I ignored everything except for the target, which you could find right here, the drop down target, which would open up and allow you to go into that saucer for a bonus collect. What's good about that, that bonus collect, it'll fire it back up this upper part right here where the rock targets are, the rollovers. And the reason why those rollovers, rollovers are so important is because they will basically add a bonus multiplier and maxing out at 5x. And you really want to do something like this on this game because it just, the score just adds up. Now on this particular model that I was playing on, the bonus collect never reset. And so I, it, it might've reset ball to ball. I forget, but I know it was basically just unlimited bonus collect. So my only goal was, is once I got it built up to 20, 40, 60, which was so important. And when I say 20, 40, 60, I'm talking about 20,000, 40,000, 60,000, which was a bonus carryover. And that's very important whenever, and we'll talk about tactics here right now, or strategies. Usually whenever you approach a classic game and you realize that there is bonus holdover or bonus carry your goal is or my goal in particular is to get to that number because i really want that before anything else now it's important to pay attention because some of these games do have inline drop targets meaning drop targets right behind each other and oftentimes those can add to your bonus and add to bonus multiplier as well so don't necessarily ignore those but keep in mind if you see something that's a bonus holdover, especially in a herb format where you're trying to get a high score. It's probably worth going for and just going for broke on ball one, trying to get there. Now, match play, you could play a little conservative. Me personally, I still like just to throttle the gas down and I like to go for that, that big bonus early on. I like going for it because basically I can set the tone for ball one, ball two, and ball three. And I like to have that cushion behind also. So with this particular game, I would want to work from 20, 40, 60 as much as I can. I ignore these parts right here on the left and the right. If I happen to hit those, it's by pure accident. It's not by, it's not via being on purpose or anything like that. 
And I also found that this particular model, because it's a Bally, you could tap pass all day long from left to right. You could also shats too, I imagine, but I just chose to go with the tap pass. And I mean, it was, it was there the whole time at free play. So my whole strategy just went, I got on the left flipper, tap pass over to right, go collect something up top, let it go back up top and get my bonus multipliers, and then let the ball just kind of rattle around a little bit in the pops, because you'll notice you have stand-up targets right up here by the pop bumpers and stand-up targets right there and one right here. So that one, two, three, four, five can be fairly important. Um, ideally, I just let that happen on its own. If number five was lit, I believe that spotted a letter up top and you could choose to go for it. Me personally, I kind of just ignored it in general just because I didn't want to get out of control immediately, but I found myself accidentally hitting it if I had to flip away and try to save a ball. So that kind of worked itself out anyways. And there also is drop targets up top, but I generally just didn't really go for those that much. I let, I just let it naturally progress. If it came off the pops and hit there, great. If not, I wasn't really too worried about it just because it seemed to generally just score the points that it needed to score. And it wasn't really anything other than just general points. That, so that being said, that's how I approached it. I would go to saucer. I would go back up top. I'd get my one, two, three, four, five, and I would just try to build up bonus, build up bonus multipliers and collect bonus. So that's the whole thing about this game. Now, plunging does become pretty important on this game. In my opinion, whenever I was plunging, I purposely would try to go for the K up top and the K you would actually find on this far right. The reason for that is, is because it was easier to me just to go ahead and short plunge, get under control, knock down those three and four draw or stand up targets right there, get some pop bumper action, get some things moving. And that's what I was aiming for because I knew as soon as I got up into that saucer and it was going to kick it back out on the rock, it wasn't necessarily going to make it all the way to the K. And I knew I was going to get right back on it around the O or the C and try to shake it up top to get it back over to the R O C area. So that's ideal. Keep that in mind right there. That's how I would probably always approach it. No matter what type of game I saw out there, or no matter what model of Rolling Stones I saw out there. All right. So our next game is another wood chopping game. Arrow out of all games. Now Arrow, Arrow is a game that I, I enjoy from time to time, but that enjoyment might go away after about a minute or so. But anyhow, so the way the game starts out is that you're going to plunge. The plunge will go to the upper play field. Now, ideally when you're playing Pharaoh, what I like to do is just stay upper play field the whole entire time. If I happen to hit something on the lower half, it's by pure accident. I'm not going for the drop targets down there. I'm not really worried about too much about building up my Magna save, which you will find over here and over here. That basically means you can use another flipper button to pulsate the ball and keep it from going to the out lane. And I, on this particular model, we did have that built up already. So I wasn't really worried about trying to actually physically build that up on purpose. Now, anytime I did get down to the lower play field and we'll come right back to the upper play field in a few, but anytime I did get down to the lower play field, I would immediately go back up top and I would make sure that I was on my left flipper. And there's two ways, really. That's the easiest ways to get up there. Of course you do have your right ramp, but I would just completely ignore that. And your main two ways of getting back up there are either going to be that center ramp or it's going to be this little shot right here to the left of the center ramp. And I'll circle it right now so that way everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. And you can backhand this. 
And the reason why this shot is so dang important because your feed will be back up top right here. And that feed basically is an easy handle feed to that left upper flipper. And what that also does is you have a nice little combo shot that you can take from your left upper flipper up in this area right here to the right of those drops. And that'll be, I think it's 75,000 for that shot right there. So that's something to consider as well. But basically you just wanna go back up top. And the reason why you wanna go back up top because you'll notice that there's letters right here that spell out Pharaoh. And on our particular model, I think we started with the PH letters already lit. And if you got to, I wanna say it was the R is what lit the locks. And this game in particular, is only a two ball multi-ball, but you can find two different areas to lock. Now you can either find that in combo area that we just talked about up here, that's a lock, or you could even lock down here. I would strongly advise if you can, do not lock a ball down below. The reason being is because whenever you do start your multi-ball, which is basically just plunging a ball, hitting a switch, and that'll start your two ball multi-ball once you are, once you do have one lit, you want the balls to be under control from the get-go. And if you have a ball in the lower play field and one in the upper play field, you're going to be multitasking to the point that it's going to be very difficult to get under control. And on this particular game, when you're dealing with a 2x play field, because you have two balls out there at the same time, it's important to be under control from the get-go. So I would highly advise to get your lock up top. That's what I would do. And the way that you can get letters, I think you can get it by hitting the captive ball, but you can also get them by knocking down all the drop targets, or it might even be the corresponding drop targets on the left and top side. So somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that that's what it was. And then there's also some hurry ups up there in general. Basically everything is up top. Now, another nuance to it, at least on our particular pen, I'm pretty sure that this is probably something that you could switch off with the dip switches. But in competition, if you see that this is on, this is very important. So there's this little tomb right up here. And what happens is if you hit that tomb, that'll actually light your out lanes. That will switch back and forth. You have this little green insert right there. And the reason why that's important is because if you drain over a lit insert on an out lane, that's worth 500,000 points. And of course, if you've got two X running with a million points, all of a sudden you can find a lot of points in the game pretty quick that people are gonna wonder how the heck did you get those? And that's exactly how. So keep that in mind if you hit it up in that little tomb area, look at your outlanes. If they're lit, there's a chance it could be worth some points depending on what the settings are. So keep that in mind. And if you ever see this in a herb, you see this in a tournament, pay attention to what your opponents are doing, pay attention to if that score is there because you know that might make the difference. It, it seriously might make the difference if you're draining on that side and you're down 200,000 might not want to save it. We've uh, Some of us have been in that situation before, and that's just having big-time situational awareness. Now, another game that we played, I believe, was 8-Ball. So 8-Ball is the game that it just it kicks the dog crap out of me. I mean, this is a difficult game for me to play in particular. It's simple to learn, hard to master. Now, whenever I plunge on here, what I like to do is I like to plunge this lane right here and the reason for that and when i say this lane up here if you're listening to on audio it's basically if you're looking at the rollovers it's the far right hand rollover and the reason why that you want to do that is because right where this candy cane is on the right hand side which is you want to hit it up there and that will get your bonus and everything but there's also a target up there which is the eight ball target and you'll see it right in this area right here 
So if you do a soft plunge and you go through that rollover up top, there's a chance you could ricochet the ball off the pop bumper into the eight ball target. And what that'll do is that'll light your spinner right here for a thousand and it'll light your kickback. Now, if you use your kickback, your spinner won't be lit anymore and you got to hit the eight ball target again. So keep that in mind. That's a pretty important part of the game. I mean, spinner, if it's dialed in, it's worth a good amount. The particular model that we played in, the spinner wasn't really that dialed in. I think you might be lucky to get seven to 10,000 points out of a good spinner rip. So I wasn't really that worried about it in particular. What I was worried about is just going ahead and getting my rollovers up top completed because if you do that, that'll light the two middle rollovers for a bonus. And what will happen, there's two little arrow targets down there and whichever one's lit, you roll over that, that'll add to your bonus multiplier and your bonus multipliers to know where you're at, you'll find them right here. And the way that you light those is going through your candy cane to the right and there's a little star rollover there that will help you add up your bonus. So the whole game just revolves around hitting targets, hitting rollovers. You'll find targets here. You'll find another one here. So left and right down below. And then this one's incredibly hard to get. There's actually one in the in lane, in the right in lane right there. Now, if you're listening to audio, the way that this game is on the left-hand side, there is no in lane. There's only an out lane. So you got to be ready to nudge. You got to be ready to get under control. This game, you can tap pass it if you want to. You can also shats from left to right. If you're really ballsy, you can tap pass from right to left and then take it back up the, uh, the candy cane. And then on a lot of models, and you could do this on this game as well, if you were trapped up on the left-hand side, you could backhand the spinner as well. It wasn't really that great of a rip, but there was an opportunity to do that. So again, the whole game is just based around bonus. It's really simple. It's just, it's a SOB though to get under control. And now for our final game, the game that eliminated me, Cosmos. Now, Cosmos is an old EM, five ball EM with zipper flippers. And for those that don't know what zipper flippers are, they're basically mini flippers that whenever you hit a certain switch within the game, it'll activate and it'll make the flippers come together to where it totally blocks the middle drain, so to speak. And on this particular game, ideally what you would do is you have a collect up here in the upper left-hand corner. If you're visualizing it, it's basically at the 11 p.m. And there is a collect there, but you do have to light your collects, which I believe was this mushroom to the far right, which is for moon, this mushroom, which is for Saturn, and this mushroom, which is for Mars. And once you do that, one of those, it'll be lit up there for a collect. I forget how many points it was. And if I remember correctly too, because I only played this a couple of times, I want to say it was the, I want to say it was this mushroom right here to the left in between the Mars and the Saturn, the, I guess it's the, the red mushroom. I think that's what causes zipper flippers to come together. And I'm pretty sure the yellow mushrooms, which you can find here right by the pops towards the middle of the play field. I think those released the flippers as well. So ideally the meta came down to if you did have your zipper zipper flippers done or activated that whenever the ball did come to a stop, you wanted to try to get it to the left-hand side a little bit. So that way you could just backhand and just flip it up there to that bonus collect up there or to that little collect. And I did that a couple of times. I didn't do it successfully in my, uh, in my finals game, but I did do it successfully in qualifying and it made a lot of sense.
The other part on this game that is so dang important is your plunge. And the reason why it's important is because right up here at the top, there's not necessarily a rollover, but there is a section with a couple of button rollovers that you want to go through in the middle of those posts. And the reason being is because they're worth about 200, 300 points. And in this particular game, when a score of 2000 is doing pretty good and a score of 3000 is doing excellent, 200 to 300 points is nothing to sniff at. And you can nudge upwards as well when that ball comes down and hits off the pop bumpers and go back up again. And I did that a couple of times. So I found that it was very important to find the plunge on that. Uh, typically what you would like to do on a game like this or what I like to do is I will full plunge to try to find it at the very beginning and then I'll go from there. I'll realize if I need to draw back how far, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little bit. And I found that I just had to draw back a little bit and my accuracy is probably around 75% just getting it to, to that skill shot area right there. And those points do add up a lot. So I'd encourage you, if you ever run into this game, try that. Always try that. Always be trying to find where your plunges are, where your skill shots are, because in a lot of these games, it could come down to those points. And as a matter of fact, in my finals game, it came down to that. I think I lost by 88 points and I missed my skill shot once, I believe. And obviously that skill shot would have been the difference between me getting eliminated or me going on to the next round and surviving. So again, very, very important. Don't underestimate your plunges. And yeah, so that's pretty much all I got for this. I greatly do appreciate you guys sticking around. If you have any questions on this, be sure and let me know. If you see anything that you would do differently, let me know down in the comments down below. Again, classics games are classics games. There's not really too much to a lot of them. There's just subtle nuances to it. And you got to decide for yourself whether or not you're going to approach it the easy way, hard way, difficult way, whatever way is easy for you. You've played the games the way you want to play. This is how I like to play them. This is what I would suggest to people if you want to try to find the points pretty quick. And I got to be honest with you, some classics games, they may not be much fun because it's chopping wood, but at the same time, if you're in a tournament, it's much more fun to win than it is just to play out a game and not have any points to show for it. So it's all about efficiency. It's all about getting the most points per minute that you can get. And that is tournament pinball in a nutshell, especially for classics. But thank you guys once again for watching. I do appreciate it. you guys have a great week and I will see y'all soon. Later guys. You have just listened to a pinball podcast. You can catch new shows on your favorite podcatcher or over on youtube.com forward slash Marv Loco for even more pinball content.